This morning, it's a unique privilege for me, and the, the moment is kind of bittersweet. As we talked about two weeks ago, Pastor Black is retiring from our staff, and today is his last Sunday on staff with us. He'll be attending here, um, and you'll see him from time to time. But uh, he wants to spend some time with his grandkids, and I can't argue that. And, uh, but uh, we're going to miss him around here. I, I know that uh, for me, uh, personally, um, as I mentioned in the first service, it's amazing how God puts things together. Amen? Um, about the same time that I came to be your pastor is the same time that he came back to the Cambridge area. And uh, we made a friendship and a connection over that time. We spent many Thursdays praying at their house, uh, praying for revival in this area. And uh, we're so grateful for them, for him and his wife, Karen. Uh, they've been so faithful the last three years that they've served on our staff. And we're so grateful. And from time to time, as I can corral him and tie him up, we might have him teach a class here and there. But... Uh, we're so grateful for them. Um, he's been an encourager, a mentor, and a friend. Would you welcome Pastor Black as he comes to share the Word of God with us? <laughs> Pastor Black and Caitlin. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Um, he always calls me to be a spokesman, and I'm going to be short, but... Um, it's been a busy three weeks for us, and I have trouble keeping little thoughts together. But um, I just want to thank Pastor Joe so much for the opportunity. I know I'm speaking for me and, and for Greg that um, this was a neat opportunity to be here. Uh, Greg was the first youth pastor. At, we, he started his ministry in this church. And then to kind of conclude with the same people, only they were seniors. <laughs> That's funny. But, um, and this is a special church. This is my home church, and it's always been very, very special to me. And there's always been great people in this church, and we thank you from the depths of our heart that uh, you've been so kind and loving, and we appreciate that. And... Um, but retirement, and it was kind of neat. I love how God does things. And God spoke to both of our hearts separately. And uh, then we came together, and that's kind of neat. That was a confirmation, and he has confirmed that so many times since then. And like Pastor Joe says, we have nine grandkids, and, and uh, it's hard when they, I used to say three to 700 miles apart, but our son is moving to South, he and his family to South Korea. So that's 300 to I don't know how many miles. And uh, we want to spend more time with them. And um, thank you for your prayers. Many of you have prayed for my son. It's, it's, uh, it's a big step. They're just following the Lord for what he has called them to do. And uh, they, Susan and Joel met in Seoul, Korea when we were stationed there as a family. And it's kind of neat that God's called them there. And the post they're going to was a small post that Greg went to by himself. I, we couldn't go as a family. And now it's a huge post because everything from Seoul has moved down to Camp Humphreys. It's an army post, and they really want to minister to the military people. So we're excited, and we thank you for their prayers. But um, it was a hard week this week because I don't do change well. And when we were in the military, everybody else, Greg, was like Greg, and they like, yay. Um, new adventure, and my daughter and I, 
and I would always remind her because I knew how it felt. Um, we didn't like to change. We never liked to leave people in the situation we were in. And I'd always say to her, but just think about all the people you've got to meet because we're willing, we, we had to move. And so um, I know God has, will be around, so that's kind of neat. Usually we had to say goodbye, goodbye, you know. And, um, but just the change of this week, and when my son, son let us know they were, um, got their orders for Friday, which was a praise the Lord. I'm not going to go into that story, but that was a big story. And uh, when he said, it's like the, the tears came, and, and because of all the changes, and, and it's just like, Lord, you know, I was so willing and I'm so excited for them because you have called them. But on the other hand, they're going to be so far away and I can't get there in a day to see them. But um, just everything God does, I'm just so grateful to him that he loves us with an undying love. And for the presence of God, that's what I love about this church is I've always felt the presence of God here. And because you bringing, because God's people bring the presence of God with them. And I thank the Lord for this, um, Pastor Joe and his wife and, and Pastor Dustin and his wife. They're just great people, and it was a privilege for us. Thank you for the opportunity. And um, so in Proverbs 3, 4, 5, and 6, that's our, that's our heart verse and our life verse that we trust in the Lord. We don't know what the future holds, but God does. And in all your ways and acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I love that about the Lord. We can't go wrong serving Jesus, can we? Never go wrong. And so uh, the greatest thing God gave me was this man, and that's when my life began. I really, truly believe that, and I'm thankful for that. We just love you all, and that's what we wanted to say today, how much we love you. It has been our unique pleasure to serve the Lord here at Byesville, and and uh, uh, we we indeed I'm gonna I'm gonna miss the the daily uh, routine, uh, and uh, I'd just like to take this opportunity to bequeath my uh, parking space officially <laughs> to Dustin. Uh, he usurps it every once in a while. And, you know, I have been so tempted to key his car, but I never have. <laughs> so it's yours, buddy. Officially. Well, you know, this morning's message uh, is, is entitled, A Good Soldier of Jesus Christ. And, and, and I understand that, uh, you know, from week to week we hear a message, and, and, and then the next week we hear another message, and... And, and even we pastors forget what we said from week to week. Uh, but, you know, I, I want you to know that this is a unique thing for me. Uh, this message today culminates 50 years of intense study of the Word of God. And, and I believe that God has shared some things with me uh, that are, are somewhat unique because of my military ministry uh, because of the military education that I've had, um, and 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 the, the the intense Bible study, and and so 
I'm I'm just believing God for some neat things today, and and uh, so uh, I, I begin when my life in Christ began in 1968. I entered service at 19 years of age, and and at that point in time, I determined that I was going to live my faith. I'd been religious all my life, uh, but I'd never really given Him full control of my life, and I decided I was going to do that. And he took me at my word, and, and he led me to know him and the power of his resurrection. It was in the army in 1968 that I had an assurance of salvation and began to really live for the Lord. And in, in my military life, I encountered authority, both the authority of the word of God and the authority of the United States Army. Uh, and both made a, a, a strong impact on me. Both got my attention in a hurry. I soon found out that refusing to obey a drill sergeant had, was, wasn't good. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you'd, all of a sudden you get your face ripped off for some minor infraction, and you wonder what in the world is going on. And... And yet you find out that that was really a very caring thing that they were doing because they wanted to impress upon you that if you, if you didn't obey in combat, you could die. God's words like that. The same kind of an authority because we're in the same kind of a battle. If, if we don't obey, uh, we can die spiritually. And, and others can lose out with God because of our lack of obedience, our laziness, sometimes our blatant disobedience. So then 26 years in uniform left its mark on me. I have an immense love for God's word, and I have a deep respect for authority. Another aspect is the military education that I went through. You see, as a commissioned officer, I had to go through the same military schools that all other officers, infantry officers, military intelligence officers, all of us went through the same leadership schools. And, you know, I learned a lot about warfare. I, I learned a lot about God's authority. And so with that in mind, I, I want to share with you some of what God has taught me over the years. Uh, join with me in his word in uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 11. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he left there to teach and preach in their hometowns. Now, when John in prison heard about the activities of the Messiah, he sent a message by his disciples and asked him, Are you the coming one, or should we wait for someone else? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and observe. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the destitute hear the good news. How blessed is anyone who is not offended by me. What was Jesus saying to John? Well, his reply had to do with John's call to be a soldier of God. You see, the prophets foretold the role of Messiah 
And, and Jesus simply recounted the fulfillment of that prophecy. He said, in effect, you know the scriptures. You have witnessed how I fulfill it. What more do you need? You see, John was in a rough place. He was not sure if he had labored in vain. It was all very new, and he was paving the way through an uncharted wilderness. And Jesus, in his great respect for his forerunner, honored him with a direct and profound answer. Commander to soldier, well done. Mission accomplished. And so as we continue reading in Matthew's gospel, as they were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Really, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fancy clothes? See, those who wear fancy clothes lives in, live in king's houses. Really, what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and even more than a prophet. This is the man about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messengers ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you a certainty, among those born of women, no one has appeared who is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least important person in the kingdom from heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until the present, the kingdom from heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people have been attacking it because the law and all the prophets prophesied up until the time of John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. Let the person who has ears listen. To what can I compare this people living today? They're like little children who sit in the marketplace and, and shout to each other, A wedding song we played for you, the dance you simply scorned. A woeful dirge it, we chanted too, but then you would not mourn. Because John didn't come eating or drinking, yet people say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, absolved from every act of sin is wisdom by her kith and kin. From the days of John the Baptist until the present, the kingdom from heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people have been attacking it because the law and the prophets prophesied up to the time of John. You see, the war is in full swing. Satan was hurling everything he could to thwart John's ministry of preparing the way for Jesus. John would become the first military casualty in the war of wills between Satan and his demons and God's kingdom. John begins to make the case that all the law and prophets, the whole Old Testament, point to Jesus as the Messiah. And Satan attacked with a full frontal assault. The first casualties were civilians, the little children in Bethlehem, when the wise men had come and told Herod, and he had gone and killed them. But now, soon John would give his life for the kingdom, the first military casualty. 
So the war had begun, and it still rages. Principalities and powers violently seeking to halt the advancing of God's kingdom. And so I want to share with you about a good soldier, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Forcefully advancing in spite of violent opposition. That's war. And John was a true soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul describes in 2 Timothy, he says, No one serving in the military gets mixed up in civilian matters, for his aim is to please his commanding officer. (laughs) Wow, that was John. He had one purpose in mind. To please God, to do His will. No frills, no comforts. He was single-minded, he was purposeful, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And there are three things needed to fulfill God's purpose as a good soldier in His army. First of all, the soldier must know the commander's intent. He must understand the big picture plan. Secondly, he has to develop a workable small-scale plan for the immediate situation. And finally, has to be proficient in the weapons of warfare. So my three points today are simply this. Strategy, the big picture. Tactics, the small-scale immediate plan. And power, the weapons of war. First of all, strategy. A strategy is a military word for an overall plan of attack. It's the big picture. Another military term that's used in strategic planning is the commander's intent. That means, well, what does a commander want to accomplish? What are his ultimate goals? What do things look like when the fighting's all over? And God said it in Peter's second letter, This is God's intent. He does not want anyone to perish, but wants everyone to repent. That is the commander's intent. God's intent for his people forms the reason for his strategic plan. God sets forth his strategy or his big picture in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. And Jesus came and told them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, as you go, disciple in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you and remember I am with you each and every day until the end of the age. That is his strategy. Let's break it down into five pieces. First of all, his authority is absolute. Why the statement about authority? Because, you see, it's a central issue. Satan tried to take control when he lied to Eve and brought about the fall of mankind. But Jesus, the word of God, came, 
And to all who received him, those believing in his name, he gave authority to become God's children. There's nothing relative about this authority, about this power. It is without measure, totally in his control. Jesus has the authority to reverse what Satan did in Genesis chapter 3. As the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. So the power behind his strategy is without flaw. The wisdom with which it is formed is perfect, and the results are totally assured because he wills the very best. We cannot change. We cannot alter this strategic plan based on our own thinking. Now, some have followed Satan and doubted his authority, thinking that we can negotiate whether or not to follow his word exactly. What folly. We must respect his authority. The second part of the strategy is based on our obedience as we go about our everyday lives. It's intentional. However, it's about availability, not about manipulation. We do not have to make it happen. We don't have to try to turn every conversation to the subject of the salvation of Jesus. When when we manipulate circumstances, it's nothing more than a lack of faith. But when we trust and obey, then the end product has his name on it, and he gets the glory. You see, as we go, or literally in the Greek, having gone, means responsiveness and obedience. He counts our believing as righteousness and our faithfulness brings the well done in the end. And sometimes we don't understand all that's been accomplished. But when we obey him, we will get the well done. Like John, well done, mission accomplished. The third and the fourth aspects come from discipling people in all nations. You see, discipling is a twofold process. First, we evangelize. We baptize them. We simply share what Jesus has done for us. New birth is the result of belief followed by acceptance. Paul says if we declare with our mouth and believe in our heart, we'll be saved. Everyone who believes in him will never be ashamed. But the second part is called nurture. Without teaching, evangelism is not complete. Discipling is not complete. It's twofold. It has to be preaching and teaching. Newborns must grow up. Not to mature is abnormal. And his strategy requires mature adults to fight in his army. So the second aspect of our transition from worldliness to sanctification is training in righteousness. We must learn Christ in order to be useful in his kingdom. 
Finally, strategy remains throughout the ages. He never quits his quest for everyone to know his gift of life. All power is his, and he seals it by his constant presence. He says, and remember, I am with you each and every day until the end of the age. We're never without his guidance, and we're never left to our own devices. The key strategy belongs to him alone. And we must depend on the Holy Spirit carrying out his intentions and remaining true to his intentions for his church. Now the second point is about a workable tactic or a, an immediate plan. And it's in two parts. First of all, preparation of the battlefield. And secondly, boots on the ground. Now, tactic is a military term for the immediate or small-scale plan. And often a soldier needs to adapt his immediate plan to fit the, the changes that always occur during a battle. But the key is always to keep in full focus the commander's intent. What does the commander want to have happen? The goal is to have all soldiers form their operational or small-scale plan to fit into the big picture. Now, John was the first of the soldiers in Christ's army, and he modeled for all those who follow the two aspects of tactics, preparation of the battlefield, boots on the ground. Let's look at the, the Word of God as it explains John's immediate plan of attack. John chapter 1. This was John's testimony. When the Jews sent priests and de descendants of Levi to him from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He spoke openly. And remaining true to himself, admitted, I'm not the Messiah. So they asked him, Well, then are you Elijah? And John said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Who are you, they asked him. We must give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he replied, I am a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare the Lord's highway, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those men who had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, why then are you baptizing if you are not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? And John answered them, I am baptizing with water, but among you stands a man that you do not know, the one coming after me whose sandal straps I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. See, John was called to prepare the way, to prepare the way for Jesus' ministry. His ministry is an example for everyone because we all have to be comfortable with our daily lives. If we're going to do God's will, we just need to be ourselves. That's what John was doing. He was being himself as he followed God's plan. He gathered attention because of who he was, his character, along with the behavior that naturally followed out of who he was. Preparation of the battlefield or the setting the stage for ministry is nothing more than following God's plan for our lives. 
It's not forced. It's not plastic. We must be absolutely genuine. John proclaimed a new message. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Everything else just naturally followed. We don't have to be uptight about doing God's will. Just be yourself as you follow Jesus. Relax. It's that simple. You see, people responded to John's message, and then the leadership of Israel went ballistic. They were so jealous of his success, they were so fearful of losing control of the masses, that their blind rage made for all-out war. So then the battle had begun. And John simply allowed the natural repercussions of his message and accompanying behavior to prepare the battlefield. Who he was set the stage for his ministry. It was unique to him, and it's unique to every one of us because we're all different. But we too, as soldiers of God, are just to trust and obey the plan God has for our lives. He just calls us to be his children Isn't that freeing? Doesn't that feel good? All I have to do is just be who God has called me to be. Now, note the process. John proclaims Jesus as Messiah in John chapter 1. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one about whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks above me because he existed before me. I didn't recognize him, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. John also testified, I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I didn't recognize him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the person on whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen this and have testified that this is the Son of God. You see, John begins the actual process of evangelism. John is simply a witness. He proclaims what he has seen and heard. He saw the Spirit descend, and he heard the one who sent him to baptize say, He's the Son of God. As he was going, John simply told his story about his encounter with God. And this set the stage for the subsequent ministry. You see, next comes the intense battle. The actual ministry encounter, or what we call the boots on the ground. When the fire starts flying. John's intentional and loving response to conflict is what we're talking about. John responded to their aggression with God's wisdom. And he refused to be intimidated with their interrogation. He embraced the conflict that God had ordained and addressed those who came from the Jewish leadership. He says, But when John saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where we was baptizing, he told them, You children of serpents, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit that is consistent with repentance. Do not think that you can say to yourselves, We have Father Abraham, because I tell you that God can raise up descendants for Abraham from these stones. John embraced the conflict. 
He exposed the elephant in the room. Courageously and lovingly, he addressed the obvious hypocrisy exhibited by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This aspect of battle is key to the successful growth of the church in the book of Acts. Holy Spirit directed the apostles to embrace the conflicts that the tactical move proved absolutely brilliant. When Peter healed the lame man at the temple gate, it was a natural outgrowth of his lack of money. He and John were rich in God's spirit and God's power, so they gave what they had. God did the rest. Paul confronted the Roman leaders of his day with the same Holy Spirit power, and throughout the Roman colonies, people believed and were saved. Time after time, Holy Spirit bailed them out when the conflict that he had embraced became violent, but he continued to share his testimony. The apostles were simply following God's tactical plan, responding to Holy Spirit's leadership, first demonstrated by John as he paved the way, obeying God's direction explicitly. So then the tactic or the plan is threefold. First, simply understand God's directives and obey those directives. Just walk as he walked. Be yourself in Christ. Second, to testify what you've seen and heard. And finally, the power of the Holy Spirit to embrace the conflict. This is the tactical plan of the soldier of God. When God's army complies with this plan, there must follow success because success is based on God's kingdom values according to God's strategy. Success isn't always comfortable. As John expressed to Jesus when he sent word from prison, but John, though he lost his head, and though Peter was crucified, and though Paul faced death daily, They were all following God's tactical plan, and they won the victory because of their obedience. Finally, we need to concentrate on the weapons of war. The weapons of our warfare are spiritual. As Paul taught, for the weapons of our warfare are not those of the world. Instead, they have the power of God to demolish fortresses. We tear down arguments. What then are our weapons? For the word of God is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing until it divides the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow, as it judges the thoughts and purposes of the heart. The word of God. From the beginning, the power of God has been manifested in the word, applied by the Holy Spirit. John testifies that all creation came through his power as he says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And he explains that the Word created all things that were created. The The Bible tells us that uh, in Revelation that our brothers conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they did not cling to their lives in the face of death. And it it says that Jesus has a sharp sword coming out of his mouth as he comes back to conquer 
in, in the book of Revelation. You see, the word is our weapon. And we've got to be proficient in its use. It's, it's living and active. I asked you, did, did David trust the stone when he slung it at Goliath? No. He trusted the God who was guiding the stone. He trusted the Holy Spirit. You see, uh, any soldier knows that once you shoot the bullet, uh, it's out of your control. You don't know what's going to happen. But God directs like, like a guided missile. He directs. And, and he has promised that his word will accomplish what he desires. It will achieve the purpose for what he sends it. Secondly, God's word is precise and absolutely accurate. Uh, that goes without say. It's just perfect. And it always gets its work done. God's word discriminates between the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And, and we need to be proficient in this word, in its use, and then trust that it's going to accomplish what it's sent to do. So I conclude. How do we as soldiers of God accomplish God's strategic plan? for the regeneration of Adam's race. First of all, absolute dedication of our lives to Jesus, being genuine in all we do. We don't have to ever be anything but who we are in Jesus. Number two, sharing the hope that's in us. Simply give our testimony. Simply tell people what Jesus has done in our daily routine. Third, know the word. Daily Bible reading. And, and if you're not studying the Bible in a Bible study, then teach the Bible in a Bible study. But somehow get into the word on a regular basis. And then apply it to everyday personal situations. And finally, prayerfully and scripturally, Embrace the conflicts. Don't run from them. And allow His Holy Spirit to minister in every situation. You see, we need to be intentional in our practice of the Word, but, but not based on programs. We need to be intentionally responsive to His Holy Spirit, willing to act in faith, in any and all circumstances. See, the world's answer to problems is to throw programs and money at it. That's not necessarily what God wants to do. What He wants us to do is to respond and depend on the Holy Spirit and let God get the glory. Finally, note that God never calls a soldier to be alone. He said, I'm always with you. I'll always be with you. Each and every day until the end of the age. And so, 
we have to be responsive with regard to the process and we've got to leave the product to him when we're faithful we're victorious because he grants the increase so brothers and sisters soldiers in his army take heart success in God's kingdom is is not about the product it's about the process and if you'll be faithful he'll grant the increase he's promised it he's promised it and so now it's time for each one of us to confront the conflict caused by God's word what conflicts that you say well it's the conflict about our will you see everything you have is borrowed you can't brag about your good looks because you didn't have a thing to do with it you can't brag about how smart you are because again it's all in the genes um, but you do have something that's uniquely yours it's yours it belongs to you God gave it to you it's called free will you have the right to choose the right to choose <laughs> Jesus chose God's will over his own in the garden and it led him to the cross we can choose what we want or what he wants we're totally free to do that and and yes one big choice is important the choice to ask Jesus to be our Savior and if you're here today and you've never done that 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 begins the process and it's very simple simply to say Jesus I, I want you to forgive me I I want to I want to be an, a soldier in your army and just like when I raised my hand and swore to defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies foreign and domestic so you can do the same thing and pledge your allegiance to Jesus and, and you'll go on the payroll just like I did that day if you've never done that today's your day very simple Jesus forgive me come into my heart but then following that is a string of decisions that is infinite every moment of every day we need to continue to give our wills to him and so it's Christmas and and I want you to consider a Christmas gift to Jesus and remember anything you own doesn't belong to you he owns the cattle on a thousand hills okay he owns it all all you have all you have to give is your will will you do that today will you will you give him your will will you give him your will to keep within the big picture of his strategic plan obey the intent of your commander to make sure that everything you do and everything you say and, 
and, and all of your life is surrounded around helping everyone to repent that no one that no one is ever left behind that's his intent will you will you allow him just to work in your life and will you just be who you are and and walk with him and and will you share your testimony very simple this is what god did for me and then will you be taught in his word that you might be an adult in his army and that you might be used by God. We've had opportunity today to come to the altar. And I just asked if you'll bow your hearts with me and make an altar of where you are and make a commitment today to say, Jesus, you have my will. I give you my want to. And I'll allow you to take care of all that's necessary to bring about success in his kingdom. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you accept me just like I am. Lord, I thank you that you have accepted my will. And Lord, I, I give you all I am. We give you all that we are. And Lord, help us to be comfortable with who we are in you. That we don't worry about what we might be. Simply who we are. And sharing without reservation what you've done in our lives. So that no one would ever perish. But that all would repent and come into eternal life. We just give you thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.